get you sorted. Praise the Lord. God gave me a great uh, revelation understanding from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and I, I want to spend a little time on this because one of the things the issues that we struggle with is hearing from God and in the healing ministry and I mean some of us have just been practicing seeking gift of discernment which we just did before before the break and that's really cool um, and many of us received a word and that's great some of you may not have felt that you received anything and didn't know quite what to say and believe me I have been there and I know exactly how that feels this is an issue that most of us struggle with and I'm I'm very encouraged I said too uh, that I'm actually reading at the moment, I'm reading Reinhard Bonnke's autobiography. And on several occasions, he says, the Lord spoke to him about going to a certain place or doing a certain thing. So, for example, once he was flying over a city and he didn't know what the city was, and he asked the Lord, what, uh, asked one of the stewardesses, what is that city? And she said, that was Jakarta. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to preach there. And... A few years later, he actually did um, preach there. In fact, I, I was helping organize the campaign. And he did preach there. And then he writes in his autobiography that um, this, the fact that it was a successful meeting confirmed the word of the Lord. Now, if you think about that, it means that he was also having doubts over whether that really was God or not. He felt that it was, but therefore he acted on it as though it was God, but still was kind of pleased about the confirmation. Oh, thank you, Lord, that was you. And, and actually, this kind of summarizes so much about how God speaks to us and how God expects us to step out in faith, even though we're not 100% sure. I don't think we will ever be 100% sure that it's God because faith always takes a risk. Some people say faith is spelt risk. I don't think that's quite fair because God will never let us down. And I'm going to share a scripture with, it with us later which has blessed me heaps because it suggests that even if, we're going, even if we don't get it quite right, God sorts it out, you know, <laughs> Because he's faithful and he loves us and, and he wants the glory. So, um, yeah, I won't go down that rabbit trail. So, I want to just read this passage from 1 Corinthians 2 for us and then we'll, we'll come back to it. So, keep it in your mind. Um, just feel prompted to start from verse 6, which is going to include a little bit more than I was expecting. 
We do, this is 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God has destined for our glory. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what the God has prepared for those who love him. That's another way of saying that we will never get what God is doing. We'll never understand it. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. You, can't, you won't get it. You, mind, it's beyond. God's ways are actually beyond our comprehension. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit, which means that we can only get it by revelation. You can't work it out by your head. We can only work anything out of God by revelation of the Holy Spirit. Whether we're reading it through scripture or whether God is speaking to us in other ways or showing us things, it's only by the spirit that we can understand God. Then he goes on to say, but the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for this is the verse I'm going to come back to. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. For we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit is, who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. That is why we speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So spiritual things are spiritually discerned. That's an important phrase when we come to deliverance which we'll talk about this afternoon. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. See, the spiritual man or the spiritual woman is the one who has the Holy Spirit living in them. Then he goes on to say, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And then this final phrase, But we have the mind of Christ. Wow. I don't think we've begun to get a fraction of what that means. We have the mind of Christ. Because we have the Holy Spirit living inside us, we have the mind of Christ. So therefore, it should be easy for us to hear from God. Because we have the mind of Christ. We have the Spirit inside us. And yet we still struggle. So that's really what I want to address in this session because I see it as very important and we'll come back to this passage which uh, God has helped me to give us a bit of revelation. But first of all, let's just go back a couple of steps if that's okay. We understand that God is a talking God. It might sound Puerile, a silly thing to say, but it's actually how he operates. It's how it all started in the first place, if you remember. 
How is creation? And God said. Nothing, nothing happened. The Spirit of God, I love this. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The first verse in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 um, is because they didn't have chapter headings and, and fancy fonts in those days. <laughs> they, they just wrote it down. So the first verse is the chapter heading. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. That's the chapter heading. So then verse 2, this is how it started. And, or first of all, before we get to how it started, what was the state beforehand? And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay? So you've got the Spirit hovering. Hovering, nothing happening. This is an important lesson for us when it comes to minister healing. So I am talking about healing. The Spirit of God is hovering. The Spirit is here. He's hovering. But what is hovering? If a helicopter is hovering, he's, what's he doing? Waiting for something. Waiting to land, waiting for pick something up. Waiting. Hovering is waiting. So the Spirit of God was hovering. The Spirit of God was present. The Spirit of God was the power of God. So totally able and to, to create the whole universe. But nothing was happening because he was waiting for verse 3. And verse 3 was, and God said. So as soon as God said, the Spirit could go into action. That's why we need to speak the words of God. Um, one, one story that just blows me away about Reinhardt was when he was a young man and God had called him to invite a well-known preacher to come and do a, a gospel crusade. And this well-known preacher had a um, healing ministry. This was long before Reinhardt was famous or had a healing ministry himself. He was just a, an, a missionary in, in Lesotho in South Africa. And um, this, this man came and he preached the first night. And then he said, um, uh, uh, God told me to close the meeting. And Reinhardt said, but you've got to pray for the sick. And he said, God told me to close the meeting. So he went back to the hotel. Well, the next day, Reinhardt went to pick him up. And... Um, the man was coming out of his hotel carrying his bags, got into a taxi and disappeared. And uh, Reinhardt said, where are you going? And, and, and he said, God told me to go home. So here he'd been booked to do this crusade and now he's pushed off, uh, leaving Reinhardt to hold the baby. And he was a young missionary and he was terrified. So he sat in his car and he said, God, what am I going to do now? And the Lord spoke to him and he said these words. Reinhardt, my words in your mouth are as powerful as my words in my own mouth. Same difference. Same applies to us. God's words in our mouth are as powerful as his own words when he speaks them. Isn't that amazing? So, when we come to hear the word of God and speak the word of God, it is just as though God himself was speaking. I find this, this blows me away. God is a God who speaks. It's how he operates. He made, 
He made the universe through speaking, and everything he's done since has been through speaking. He says that he doesn't do anything without telling his servants the prophets. So he speaks through scripture. He speaks through prophecy. Um, so some of you will know the difference between logos and rhema words. I'm sure um, we, we're familiar with that. Logos words are the, the words which are written down. These are the, these are two Greek words for the word word. Uh, rhema words are, are uh, words of uh, on now now words. Um, somebody said that uh, they are words of experience. We experience rhema words when we come to prophesy over people or speak the word of God. We experience them. Uh, interesting that uh, when I was here and I walked away and I turned around and I said, um, God said, you're going to get healed. Your eyes are going to be healed. Um, I just set, sensed that in my spirit. And, and, and of course, whenever we get something like that from God, we've got a choice. And we can either choose to take the risk. Is that God? I'm not absolutely sure, but I'm going to go for it. Um, yeah, so it, it, this is living on the edge. And if we don't want to live on the edge, go and get comfortable somewhere else. But, but this kind of ministry is living on the edge. Healing and, and listening to God and prophesying and all of that, it's living on the edge. Why? Because you, it's got to be God. It can't be you. It's got to be. And, and, and I've learned that all of these, what I call the greats of faith, people like Bonke and Wigglesworth and these people, they, they learned to deliberately put themselves in a place where they needed God. You remember when God called the, the guy who had a crippled arm, called him up. This was in a synagogue. And it was, it was the Sabbath and Jesus was there and he was speaking. And uh, this guy was there with a withered arm. And... Um, it, the Bible tells us that the Pharisees were all standing at the back with their arms folded, waiting to catch this guy out in something he said so that they could, they could arrest him. So it was not what you'd call a faith-filled atmosphere. And Jesus calls this guy to stand up in front of everybody. Stand up. Come here. And here's this guy with a withered arm. And he just said, stretch out your hand. And he did. Job done. Because everybody at the back was cross. You shouldn't do that on a Sabbath. Oh, what a religious mindset. Oh. Anyway, Jesus is just the same as us in the sense that he needed God. The, the difference is that he had such a close relationship with the Father that, that, he, that he was confident. Speaking of confidence... I love that passage in the book of Acts. I think it's chapter 8. It's the left-hand page anyway. When Ananias goes to Paul, still Saul in those days, and says to him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus has sent me to, that you might be healed, or I forget the exact words, to open your eyes. And, and for you to be filled with the Spirit. The Lord Jesus has sent me. Do we have this confidence? I think this is something that I, we would ask, I would ask God for. The Lord Jesus has sent me. I could say it today. I come because I've been invited graciously and thank you. But actually, because God orchestrates these things, the Lord Jesus has sent me. 
And if we can have that confidence in his mission that we've been sent by the Lord, when you come to a sick person and you come to a place where you need God, well, the Lord Jesus has sent you. Didn't, you know, that, that meeting has been organized by the Lord. You've been, you've been set up. Some people came to our house. I'd put some, we were selling some furniture. I put it on trade me. Some people turned up to, to buy it. A lady of about 60 and a lady of about 40 parked their van. And um, the 40-year-old was hobbling. So I said, uh, what, what happened to you? And she said, oh, I put my back out at Christmas. And I said, oh, we do backs here. <laughs> and they looked, gave me a bit of a look. I had never seen them before in my life. They were just punters that would bought something off trade me, you know. And uh, so then I shared the story with her of a guy that we'd ministered to only uh, a week or two before. I said, well, only just quite recently, I laid my hands on the, on the back of a guy who had scoliosis, his curvature of the spine. And um, he was my height, this guy. He was only a young guy, he was um, about 20, and apparently he was drummer in quite a well-known band. I didn't know that. I don't, don't follow the local music, you know. <laughs> anyway, um, so I laid my hands on his back and I was chatting away, and, and he grew, just very slowly. But he grew about two inches. And I thought, I'm sure you were the same height as me when I started. So I'm feeling a bit foolish. I said to him, did you just grow? And he said, oh, the doctors told me I'd be two inches taller if my back was straight. <laughs> and he puts his hand on his back and he goes, far out. <laughs> far out. And God had completely healed his back. And uh, anyway, so I was telling this story to this couple I said, when, you know, I said, we do backs. And uh, I explained that it was in the name of Jesus. And they were still a little bit unsure. So we loaded the sofas into their van. And I said, come on, let, let me lay my hands on your back. And rather reluctantly, she came. And uh, so I, I just put my hand on her back and chatted with her for a bit. And I said, um, bend down. And she gave, gave me a look and she bent down. She got about this far and she goes, Oh my goodness. And she went right down and God had totally healed her. Her mother was crying. The, the older lady was crying that her daughter had been completely healed. That's how it goes. This is the kingdom, you know? Yeah. I wish I had led them to the Lord there and then, but I didn't. So, yeah. So we, God gives us these opportunities. Uh, and uh, did I tell the story last night about a friend in the supermarket? I have to tell this story. It's another good one. Um, we've been doing a school of healing, and a friend of mine has really got into it, and uh, she's, she's wonderful. Anyway, she was in the supermarket uh, uh, with, with her trolley, and a lady next to her said, excuse me, can you reach down that thing from the top shelf because my shoulders are bad and I can't reach up there. So my friend took the thing off the top shelf, put it in this other lady's supermarket trolley, and then felt prompted by the spirit to ask if she would like to, her shoulders to be healed. So um, she took a step of faith. This is where we need God, isn't it? And said, would you like your shoulders to be healed? 
And she gave my friend a bit of a look, and so my friend explained that we'd been doing this school of healing, we'd seen lots of people healed, uh, and um, we see people healed in the name of Jesus. So my friend, uh, the, the lady was up for it, my friend laid her hands on her shoulders, and within a minute or two, her shoulders were completely healed, and she was doing this. She was very excited, and then she said, um, do you also do hips? So my friend laid a hand on her hip, and amazing, her hip was also healed. And, and, and so she was set free. What I love about this story is this lady who had been healed is then pushing her trolley around the supermarket, shouting out at the top of her voice, I've just been healed by Jesus. I've just been healed by Jesus. <laughs> Don't you love it when the unbelievers preach the gospel? <laughs> So there you go, we get these opportunities, but we just have to be brave and go for them. And so often we miss, and we miss them. But um, yeah, when we, when we step out in faith, we have a go. But we do need to hear from God. And that's where so often we, we miss out. So I, I wanted to talk through this process because um, a number of people feel they don't hear from God. Um, well, I, God is talking all the time. All right? Yeah. He's a talking God. God is present. He's talking. So if we're not hearing, there's a reason. Uh, my wife and I go to Life Church, and I love our church, and I love just about everything about it except the volume. So I, I don't go without earplugs. <laughs> Too bad, isn't it? But um, yeah, I've just got sensitive ears. But because what happened, again, it was a healing meeting I went to because um, either one of the Bethel people was there and I thought, oh, I'll go along because I, I want to learn. I'm always up for learning. And uh, anyway, he said, if anybody's got uh, tinnitus or tinnitus, um, stand up. And I have a little bit or had. And so I stood up along with about 20 or 30 others. And then he got people behind to lay hands on our ears. So this guy behind me put his hands on my ears. And um, when he took them off, the tinnitus was still there. But my ears were hearing 25% better. So ever since then, I've had really quite sensitive ears. And it's great. I love it because I love um, wildlife. I love birds. I love listening to birds. And God knows that, doesn't he? And he just has blessed me in having really good hearing. But it does mean that I don't do the volume very well. So anyway, that's my excuse. <laughs> Earplugs. Let's go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he says this, You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. These, these people were able to read the scriptures but not able to discern them. They were not able to hear God through them. They were not able to sense the Spirit because they were too proud. 
they felt that they could understand scriptures through their own mind rather than through the power of the Spirit. So therefore, they were completely unable to hear. They had Jesus, the Son of God, standing in front of them, couldn't get it. And, and the reason was because their hearts were hardened, their hearts were proud. So that's the first thing that, that, that I believe, uh, the first earplug uh, we have to be aware of and sensitive to, and that is pride. And on the pride thing, God, have you noticed this, that God so often works in ways that we weren't expecting. And as soon as, that's why that, my favorite verse, as I say, I quoted last night, it's the man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. The more we learn about God, the more we realize that God's got a different way of doing things than we do. And as soon as you think you've got an answer of how it's going to work, Oh, yeah, yeah, well, I'm gonna, this is going to happen. And God's got something else in, uh, up his sleeve. So uh, it, it, as soon as we think we've got a handle on it, we've lost it. And the whole, especially in healing, healing and miracles, any of the supernatural, you, you, we won't get it. God's got another way of doing things because and, and he's got a purpose, most of which we don't understand. So um, pride, I believe, is our first... Uh, Earplug. Here's another earplug that is common to us. I'm going to go to Mark chapter 4, and it's just, just so that you can... Um, we're all familiar with these scriptures, but um, I believe this affects quite a number of us. In Mark chapter 4, we read about the parable of the sower. And Jesus explains the parable of the sower, and we, we, we know that there are different, different things that he talks about. But the, the, when he talks about... The weeds, or the thorns, Mark chapter 4 verse 18 says this, Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So we can hear the word of God, we can hear God speaking to us, but actually uh, we get distracted. And we get distracted by the things that he mentions. We get distracted by worries, by fears. We get distracted by um, the deceitfulness of wealth. That means, you know, we're worried about money. We haven't got enough. Or um, I, I have a lot of people, you know, we take, uh, sorry, just stop for the ads. Can we just stop for the ads? We take trips to Nepal twice a year and we'll, we'll, everybody would be welcome to come. Um, but a number of people say, oh, John, I'd love to come, but I haven't got any money. Well, you've got things back to front. Make the decision to come, and God will sort it. But if you are waiting for the money to come, well, then you'll wait until the money comes before you come. But if you make a decision to come, then the money comes, then you, God gets the glory. Don't you agree? Yeah. We've got one lady who's been... How many times um, has Anne been uh, with, with, with Arnold? How Five times, and Anne has been with us five times. Anne Thorne, she lives in Hamilton, um, uh, in a government house on benefit. She's got no money at all, and she one time she phoned me up and she said, "John, I've got sixty dollars in the bank, and I'm coming." <laughs> I love it. She needed five grand. Within about six weeks, she had five grand, but she'd made the decision she was going to come. I love that. And, and five times she's been. And, and of course, um, 
the, the people of the government are just scratch their heads. Where do you get all this money from? She said, oh, God gives it to me. And she's a great one for testifying, so she'll tell them. She preaches the gospel and the way they, yeah. The worries, wealth, things, we get distracted. I'm not going to point fingers at all, but um, I get easily distracted. Um, I keep telling the Lord I, I want to live about five lives concurrently so that I can do all the things I want to do. I've got uh, uh, 20 hobbies, and so I never have time to do any of them properly. And, and there's just never time to do it at all, so I, I get easily distracted. And, and so one of the decisions my wife and I decided many, many, when we first got married was that we would not have a television in our house because it would just distract us. And so we've lived our lives without television. Uh, praise God. And I, I confess every time I go to a place where there's television playing, I'm going, oh my goodness. Thank the Lord with that decision we made. Uh, it, it's, I'm not criticizing or accusing anybody. It was just something that God placed on our heart to do. But it can be a big distraction. And so ask yourself the question, do we need these distractions? And, and it's very easy. And unfortunately, when we get distracted in, in however God, however the enemy might distract us or the world will distract us, it can actually prevent us from hearing the voice of God and responding to it. And so another way the distraction works, of course, is that we hear the voice of God, but then we're too busy to do, respond. We've got other things to do. So that's another earplug. So we've got pride and we've got distraction. Another earplug is doubt. There's lots of ways that doubt can attack us. The main way is, is it really God? And mostly, the only way to find out if it really is God is to act on it and see. So you just have to go for it. You have to take a step of faith and trust. And you, you won't be 100% sure. Too many of us are waiting to be 100% sure it's God before we step out in faith. And it doesn't work that way. A little bit like the, the money thing. You've got to have a go for it and, and, and trust. And if you get it wrong, hey, we do get it wrong. We will get it wrong. I get it wrong. And all I can say is man up. Suck it up. You get it wrong. Tough. There, there, there are no such things as mistakes. Only expensive lessons. <laughs> and if we come to the supernatural like that, every time it doesn't work out, every time we've messed up, and we do, I get it wrong all the time, but every time... Step back. Lord, what can I learn from that? Help me to learn. So I want to get better. We won't get better without, without mistakes. The best kind of mistakes to learn from are other people's mistakes. That's why we've got scripture. It's full of other people's mistakes. So doubts, another doubt that God... That 
we struggle with is God will will God use me? Even Moses struggled with this. You know, when when um, God wanted him to lead Israel out of out of uh, Egypt, and what did Moses do? He said, well, "Who am I? Who am I that I should lead Israel out?" He was a eighty-year-old shepherd, and God wanted him to leave it, lead Israel out, and and he questioned whether. And God's answer, I am. I am with you. I am who I am. I'm with you. And, and that comes to us. And so we back off because we think, who am I that I should go out and be healing the sick? God is with you. He wants you to do it. So that's another doubt that gets in the way of hearing from God. And of course, finally, um, fear. And I've already mentioned, I'll get it wrong here. So there are four. Um, you could probably come up with half a dozen more. But, but I, I wanted to finish this little section, and then we'll do some practice. Um, I wanted to finish this section with a scripture that has blessed me heaps. Isaiah 44. I love this. Isaiah 44, verse 26. This is what the Lord says. This is in verse 24. He starts off. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer who formed you in the womb, Davida. He says, and then verse 25 says this. Who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of diviners. Who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense. So you see, the Lord is already working to turn over, and you know, some false prophet comes along and prophesies something. Because they're a false prophet, God works to uh, foil what they have just said. Isn't that interesting? Because they're a false prophet, and God hadn't said it, and they said, oh yeah, well this is going to happen, and God, okay, we're going to make sure that doesn't happen. Because otherwise, that false prophet would get the glory. And God doesn't want that. But I love this next verse. Verse 26, same God, who carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers. Do you see what's going on here? Are, you, are we the servants of the Lord? Yeah. Wave to me if you're a servant of the Lord. I hope I've got every hand in the place. Wave to me if you're one of his messengers. Yep. Right. All right. So you make a prediction. You bring a prophecy. And what does God do? Hmm. He thinks, well, that wasn't quite what I had in mind. But we are going to work out, make sure that this works out. Because I want that person to have the glory. And then I get the glory. Because they are my servant. And they will acknowledge me. Do you, see what, do you see what's happening? Because we are acknowledging God, because we are his servants, because everybody knows we serve Christ, when we make a prophecy in his name, even if it's not quite what God had, was originally hoping we would say, he's going to work it out. Yeah. This gives heaps, I, this gives me so much freedom. Because, of course, he's not going to bless something that's completely off the wall or that's, that's against his will or whatever. But if, you know, he's going to work it out. Yeah. And, and 
The other thing, of course, to remember is that the Holy Spirit is working through us, and when we start prophesying, the Holy Spirit is actually going to give us the words to say. So, of course, he's going to work that out. But I, I love it. Uh, even, if, even if it's not 100% right, God's going to still bring it to pass. I think that's just so cool. So, um, chill out. Because we acknowledge Christ, um, and he wants to get the glory, then when we do it in his name, um, he will get the glory. He'll make sure it happens. Isn't that cool? So, you know, when I was bold enough to say, you're going to get your healing, um, God's going to make sure it happens. So otherwise, who gets the glory? It doesn't, yeah. So. God is good. So that gives me freedom to be bold in what I speak. And I, and I, I think this is a, a, a big breakthrough, a big step in, in boldness in speaking the word of God because God will, God will bless it. Um, I, I'm conscious that we need to begin to do some practice. So um, turn to your neighbor and say, listen up, this next bit is good. People are not sure how they hear from God. And in fact, uh, there are over 40 different ways Rodney has identified, Rodney Francis has identified in Scripture. Over 40 different ways God speaks in Scripture, um, including donkeys. So, you know, God can use pretty much anything he likes. But mostly for us, it's thoughts in our head. And the issue that we face is, is it God? Is it us? And is it the other guy? So, it, you know, we kind of need to learn to discern which is which. A lot of people say they don't hear much from God. Um, and I want to just prove from Scripture that that's not true. First thing is to understand well, let me ask a question. Um, do you have two voices in your head? Probably more, but you've got at least two, haven't you? So a lot of the time there's a sort of argument going on in our head, but there's always two voices going on. Um, I know we don't like to admit it, but that's all right. That's a, we're cool. The Bible says in this scripture that I read at the beginning, in 1, 1 Corinthians, it says here, Who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? Right. So we've got spirit, soul, and body. That's who we are. I love what Trevor Yaxley says. He says we are spirit, we have a soul, and we walk around in a body. That gives us the, the right perspective. Paul tells us that we're spirit, soul, and body. We're not mind, body, spirit. That's the, that's the New Age version, which is all upside down. We're spirit, soul, and body. Spirit first. 
Soul second, body third. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's all part of our soul. They're what make you unique, uniquely you. Your expression of who you are is your soul. Your s mind is part of your soul. Okay? So now, we read this scripture again. We understand what's going on. The thoughts, who knows the thoughts of a man? Where do the thoughts come from? Your mind. Except the man's spirit within him. So our mind and our spirit are in continual conversation. So this conversation going on in your head is actually between your mind and your spirit. That's what the scripture is making clear here. So it's not wrong to have voices, two voices in your head. In fact, it's quite normal. That's the way we were made for our mind to speak to our spirit. The scripture is making it clear that's what happens. Our, our spirit speaks to our mind because our mi the spirit within you knows your thoughts and vice versa. Your thoughts, your mind knows your spirit. Okay? Yeah. You happy with that? Now, the Bible goes on to say that who, kn who knows the thoughts of a man except his spirit? And then it goes on to say no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. But where, when we become Christians, where does the spirit of God come to live? In, in our spirit. True? So as Christian believers, the Holy Spirit is now resident in your spirit. True? Okay, so now, as Christian believers, who is the conversation in your head between? Your mind and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? I, this blows me away. So the point about this, we are actually hearing from God all the time. We just didn't realize it was God. And you might say, well, how, John, uh, that... How do we know that it's God? Samuel didn't know it was God speaking to him as a young boy. Do you remember the story in Samuel, 1 Samuel 3? Samuel, the young boy Samuel didn't know that it was God until Eli taught him. That's God speaking. So, in the same way, we didn't realize that other voice in our head is the Holy Spirit until somebody came along and said, well, actually, Scripture tells us that it's God. So this is one of the privileges that we have as Christian believers, is this continual conversation with the Holy Spirit going on in our head. So, therefore, we don't need to hear a loud voice from outside. Thus saith the Lord. It's a thought in our head. And of course, now the question that we ask next is, which is which? Which is our mind and which is our spirit? And that's where we can get muddled. And uh, so here you are on a shopping spree and you've gone to get the groceries and um, you pass that shop with, that, the, with the latest phone. Hmm. And you're just looking, thinking, well, this old thing is five years old. 
and I just really like the latest one. So now you've got this conversation starts in your head. Have you ever been there? All right? You know what I'm talking about? In, those, in that sort of situation, it's fairly obvious what's going on. But there are other times when it's not quite so obvious. So just a few little tips. How do we know which voice is which? First of all, the Spirit of God will never speak against the Word of God. And we know that. But the issue, that presents us a problem if we don't know the Word of God too well. So the first challenge for us is to know the, the Word of God. Spend time there. Get, get to know the Word of God because God will never speak against His Word. So therefore we need to know the Word. But that's, doesn't, that's not very encouraging for new believers. So the second thing to um, go on, which I find more helpful, is that God, the Holy Spirit will never speak against the character of God. Because he is God himself, and he can't speak outside of his own character. If we know the character or the nature of God, then we've got a handle on the kind of things he's going to say to us. So if, for example, do we know that God is kind? Yeah? Therefore, the Holy Spirit is not going to say unkind things. See, that's fairly simple. Do we know that God is holy? Yes? Therefore, God is not going to whisper unholy things in our ear. Do you see how this, I find this really helpful. Um, what other characters of God? Patience? Good. Long-suffering? <laughs> Peace? Good. Serenity? That's a nice word. Glory, gentle, not easily offended. I love it. You guys know the Lord. That's wonderful. But you see what I mean? That the, the Holy Spirit is never going to whisper into your ear something that goes against his own nature and character. So once again, once we get to know um, the voice of God, then you see, look at this promise in Scripture. I'm going to go I'm going to go there. John chapter 8 verse 47. He who belongs to God hears what God says. It can't be clearer than that. He who belongs to God hears what God says. John chapter 8 verse 47. Do we belong to God? Yeah, yeah. well then you hear what he says. It doesn't say sometimes or occasionally. And I believe it's all the time. Tell your neighbor, you are hearing from God all the time. <laughs> what I'd like us to do um, just to wrap this session up is, is to do some practice, okay? This time I'm going to suggest that we get into groups of three and find somebody in your group who needs the Lord to do something for them. Maybe heal them, 
um, if they've got something sick, but if not necessarily, if they've got something else they need the Lord to do, then that's great. Um, and then I'm going to ask the other two to ask God for the answer for them. Okay? And if you're in agreement, that's even better. That's really, that's really cool. Um, i just give you one example that happened to me, and then we'll get into it. Um, one time they brought a lady to us, and actually during lunch, and my wife and I were having sandwiches. And uh, so they brought this lady, she said she was very depressed, and could we lay hands on her? And I got the word in my head, um, crushed spirit. But I was a bit slow to share it. And then my wife says, I think she's got a crushed spirit. That's cool, isn't it? So then we spoke to her spirit. We, I think her name was Amanda, and we spoke. I said, Spirit of Amanda, be healed. We didn't see anything happen, and they took her away, and we went on with our sandwiches. Um, but they brought her in that evening. We had an evening meeting, and she was a light. She just had a smile from side to side. Uh, we, I wouldn't have recognized her as the same girl. Completely changed. And God had healed her spirit, and all the depression had gone. Isn't that cool? Yep. So, you, you see, um, when we hear from God, and, and we, we can actually nail the real issue. And we're going to look at more of that in, in a lot more detail in the next session. But right now, I'd like us just to get into groups of three and, and um, ask somebody what they need the Lord to do. And then ask the, the Lord to give you the solution.